Chapter 4, Prayer Prayer is not a one-way conversation, but a two-way conversation with God. This involves speaking out loud, listening, and responding. Some folks say, am I praying with God or myself? Well, it depends on who you're directing your prayer to. Is it self or God? King David prayed, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. There was a shepherd, some would call a simple shepherd, who loved God and accepted his son Jesus Christ as his Lord. He loved speaking with God as he took care of his sheep. He regularly prayed on behalf of his employer and neighbors, called intercession, and earnestly asked God for the protection of the sheep against the ferocious wolves on the hill called supplication. There were times in his day that he erupted with praise and thanked God for the water, the grass, the sun, the rocks, the sheep, food, employment, all the wonderful things he had created and provided, called thanksgiving. But what he loved to do was honor God for who he is and spoke those things that were dear to God's heart, called prayer. Sometimes he didn't have any words to express how he felt. He just surrendered and spoke sounds of adorations to him. Most times, he didn't understand those words, called tongues. One day, a priest was making his rounds and overheard a jolly shepherd speaking to God. He went closer to hear. As he listened, he was shocked at how informal and casual he was speaking. He was speaking as if God was right there, saying things like, I like the way you did. Let's do this. So he called the shepherd over. Whom are you speaking to? I'm speaking with him, my heavenly father, and pointed up. Show respect, the priest said, reprimanding him, and then proceeded to tell him how to pray. The shepherd listened, but looked confused. So the priest decided to give an example. God, you are real. We are not worthy to call upon you. If you want to keep the sheep protected, then let it be done, if it is your will. The shepherd shook his head. Why are you saying, God, you are real? Are you trying to convince yourself that he is? And didn't Jesus make us worthy to stand before God? And isn't his will his word? Don't interrupt me, the priest said. What qualifications do you have? I've been to the best schools and studied theology. You should honor those. The Lord has appointed and listen. I'm trying to help you. The shepherd submitted. And the priest continued to say a few rehearsed words. It sounded so grand, like poetry, as he increased and decreased his voice. Lots of posed, Lord, and God this, and then ended off with an amen. The shepherd said, sounds very eloquent. I don't know if I can ever get there. Maybe I have upset God by the way I speak with him, and that's why he sent you across my path. He thanked the priest for helping him and went back to work. The shepherd wasn't his jolly self. Could he ever match up and remember all the things the priest had said? So he looked to heaven, sighing. <sighs> Sorry, Father. He tried rehearsing what the priest had said, but it didn't really come from his heart. His prayer was like driving a car with flat tires and a dirty windscreen. It was frustrating, empty, and directionless. Eventually, after a week of struggling, he stopped speaking with God and started speaking to God, as the priest pointed out. He stopped dialoguing with God, but said what he needed to say and stopped with an amen. A couple of weeks went by. And the priest happened to be walking by the shepherd's field again and saw how miserable he looked. Two weeks ago, he was beaming from ear to ear, but now he sighed as he worked. The priest wondered what was wrong. And just then, the Lord spoke to him, See what you have done? Go back and undo what you told him. After a rebuke from the Lord, the priest repented. 
rushed over to the shepherd and apologized. He then proceeded to tell the shepherd what the Lord had said and then asked the shepherd to teach him how to pray. As the shepherd shared, the priest listened attentively and said, That is exactly the scripture. How did you know how to do that? I didn't, said the shepherd. I just spoke from my heart and reminded myself to be grateful and know that he loves me. The humble priest thanked the shepherd for teaching him. One of the things the shepherd taught him was that prayer was verbal or in action. It was not in the mind. This is how we release our authority. Scripture is filled with verbal prayer, and there are only two places in all of Scripture where verbal seems to be questionable. One was with Hannah because Eli didn't hear her, but that didn't mean she didn't speak. Her lips did move because she probably spoke softly. The point is, Eli didn't hear her, but God did. The other was Abraham's servant. But what was interesting is that before he had finished speaking in his heart, it came to pass. So his prayer had nothing to do with the outcome, but it was God who had revealed it to him. He was just praying in his heart what God already told him. Also, some would argue that the scripture says pray without ceasing is in the mind because it is impossible to pray out loud without ceasing. But it is also impossible to pray in the mind without ceasing. This scripture is reminding them to continue in prayer, like continuing to praise God or continue to do good to others, not praying and doing nothing else. So out of all the cases of prayer in scripture, including all the examples of the prophets, apostles, and Jesus, all spoke with God verbally or by some action, like writing it down, not done in the mind. And meditating on God's word is not praying. So let's follow their example and speak out loud with God. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say. When Jesus prayed, he spoke and lifted up his eyes to heaven. We are to do the same. Stop these mind prayers. Why prayer? 1. I love him. One day when I came home, I spoke with my wife for five minutes, gave her my undivided attention, asked questions, and when the time was up, I dashed out to complete the tasks I had remembered on my drive home. I did this for just under a week. After some time, I was surprised by some things she said, decisions she made. I gave her my five minutes a day, but it obviously wasn't working. I felt as if we were drifting apart, and it was only five days. I remember going out with her to buy something and was surprised by the choice she made. Historically, when we went out, we knew what the other would buy before they bought it. But now our relationship was slightly different, and it taught me a valuable lesson about love. If I love her, I will communicate with her regularly. I may think I know everything about her, but the present is not the past. The present dictates the future. If we stop communicating, our relationship deteriorates. Similarly with God. Do I really love him? If so, I will communicate with him all the time. So when I pray, I must focus my attention on him and stop my mind from wandering. Now, I don't communicate just once a day, but throughout the day, at different times. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Christ has given me personal access to God, so I must use it, and so must you. 2. His presence is the power. Everyone on earth is looking for power. Power to do what they want, when they want it. Power to overcome fear. There are five primary fears that people have. There are more, but these are the primary ones upon which all fears rest. Poverty, sickness, abuse by others, loneliness and fear of the unknown. 
for example, future, demons, death, etc. And the foundation for these five primary fears is suffering. For this reason, many people seek money, for they believe money gives them power to overcome these fears. More money means prosperity to avoid poverty, better doctors to avoid sickness, picking friends at will to avoid loneliness, buying protection to avoid abuse, and somehow money can improve the odds regarding the future. It makes sense. Well, so I thought. I met a man who seemed to have it all. He was somewhere between a millionaire and billionaire, seemed to have the perfect family. But one day, our paths crossed, and after talking about his Ferraris, I asked a question. Are you happy? Do you have peace? He confessed to me that he was very lonely. His wife and he had separated, someone in his family was very sick, and all the doctors that money could buy couldn't help them. I can't remember if they eventually died. And someone in his family had faced abuse, some legal battle going on. I said something stupid and insensitive like, but you have so much money, surely you can get people to solve your problems, you should be happy. He turned, his response was like a piercing sword. The happiest time of my life was when I didn't have money. It wasn't the money that brought happiness, neither was it the lack of money that brought happiness. It was, however, a sense of purpose and love that brought me happiness. Money helps some things, but not the important things in life. He basically went on to tell me that when he put his hope and focus into getting money, that is when he lost control of his life. Years later, I was reflecting on this. I realized how true it was. That it wasn't about avoiding sickness, poverty, loneliness, abuse, or the unknown future. It was about embracing the life that God has given us. Living with love and living with a purpose. In Him, these obstacles are automatically destroyed. He conquered all, even death. When I plugged into Him, my focus moved from fears to living life in Him. And money just became one of the many tools that I use. My dependency is on the Lord. Jesus said, No one can be slave to two lords, for indeed either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will support one and despise the other. You cannot be slave to God and mammon. Mammon was a common Aramaic word, which literally means wealth-focused, materialism. Through this I say to you, be not anxious about your soul, what to eat or drink, nor about your body, what to be clothed with. Is not the soul more than food and the body more than clothing? Look on, look attentively, to the birds of the air, because they neither sow nor reap nor bring together into granary, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? Now which from you by being anxious can add one cubit on his stature? And why be anxious concerning clothing? Consider carefully the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, nor do they spin. Now I say to you that neither Solomon in all his glory was clothed as one of these. Now if God in this way clothes the grass of the field, which today exists, and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, little faiths? Therefore be anxious not, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we be clothed with? For indeed your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Now seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these will be added to you. Therefore, be not anxious into the next day, for indeed the next day will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil of it. The quest for power is in everyone, something we all crave for. It's good. It shows that we are not all powerful and that something is missing. We are like an electric blender. 
Beautiful. Lots of buttons. We put things in. Push the buttons in the perfect sequence, but nothing happens. Why? Because it's not plugged in to the source of power, the source of love. Jesus Christ is the source through which the love and power of God flows. We were designed to be linked to God, not be on our own. When we plug into Jesus, then look out. We are more than conquerors over these situations. If the electrical socket that the blender is plugged into is like Jesus Christ, and the power that flows through is Holy Spirit, then prayer would be like the on switch that enables other switches, like words and actions, to work with power. Paul said, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory, His riches in His presence, by Christ Jesus. Benefits of Prayer Prayer is a major part of walking in the Spirit and critical to living life as God intended. It is His presence that makes us bolder. And because of Holy Spirit inside us, we pray, cry out to God as Abba, Father. God actually delights in our prayers, wants, desires to have communion with us. Those who succeed in their prayer life succeed in life, and those who fail in their prayer life fail in life. Those who kneel before God stand before kings. Prayer is not optional, but mandatory to living life as God intended. Prayer enables God to provide for the needs and desires of self and others, including delivering and honoring us, protecting us against temptation, giving us supernatural wisdom, healing, long life, sending out labors to bring people to Jesus, protection of others' faith, to receive the empowerment of Holy Spirit, and many more.